thankful that all of you are here and uh, I know we are quickly approaching a very busy time coming up to Easter and I was thinking of of course the Easter message and all of that we have with regard to Easter time and um, thinking about what I spoke on last two or three weeks, and I just um, thought I would give you, uh, what is the good news? Ukraine is being attacked, and there's another virus variant that's supposed to be sweeping the world, and um, gas prices are high, and food costs are high, and inflation is running rampant and the Democrats still hate the Republicans and the Republicans still hate the Democrats. What is the good news? So, with Easter coming up, I thought I would talk about what is the good news? Just what, what the good news is. And we know uh, that is the gospel is the good news and we are growing apostolic legacy and so the question for today is what is the good news and I know all of you probably know this and you've heard it and you understand this concept but I I got to rereading it and thinking about it and talking to the Lord and it just seemed like uh, I wanted to give a little good news after spending time talking about the commandments because if you're like me, I preached about the commandments and the Lord preaches to me before he preaches to all of you. And I felt like, oh Lord, I don't know if I can do all of this. Oh yeah, I probably won't actually murder someone this week. Probably won't put a mask on and break into someone's house this week. I probably won't, um, you know, uh, dishonor my parents this week. But when you looked at those commandments sort of the way we were looking at them, about the insights into the struggles that we face daily, such as my struggle with God being commandment one, my struggle with worship, uh, the second commandment, my struggle with my mouth, uh, you know, taking the name of the Lord in vain, um, my struggle with time, remembering the Sabbath day, and, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, can get onto a struggle with how I spend my time and what my priorities are, and things are time stealers, then uh, the authority, the parent authority, uh, thing is, is authority and how, you know, I just, uh, I, I can get angry and frustrated and, uh, and look at authority uh, kind of cross-eyed. I, I have to admit, maybe I, I, I don't know if I, I don't think I was always this way, but now it's like, uh, I'm not sure who to believe. Anybody had that feeling? 
And they say they're out for my good and they say they're giving me this direction for my, but I'm not real sure anymore. Anybody had those feelings? And it kind of erodes my feeling of authority. And, uh, you know, I, to be very candid with you, we had a, a fire across from our house uh, uh, last night, yesterday afternoon, up in the hills, and they had uh, 9 or 10, 11, 12, I don't know, ended up emergency vehicles there. And, and uh, so happened, uh, Brother David was out and he was trying to get back. My wife and my mother were also gone. They were trying to get back to the property. And, uh, uh, you know, the policeman uh, challenged uh, Brother David and said, uh, where do you live? And he told him and he said, you may just be saying that. You know, I'm not sure I can trust you be telling me the right address because people are trying to come up here. And anyway, by the time, you know, and how do I feel? Well, I'm ready to bite somebody. What do you mean you don't know? Look, that's my house. Here's my license. Look, what are you talking about? Well, but I'm not sure. Anyway, hallelujah my struggle with peace, my struggle with purity, my struggle with integrity, my struggle with truth, my struggle last but not least with contentment. What will make me feel good about who I am and where I am and what I'm doing and how I, huh? Maybe you don't have those struggles, but we talked about those Ten Commandments, and then to talk it, top it all off, James, or Jacob would be his Hebrew name, says in his book, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. One point. I put it on the bottom of that because not only did James say it, but Paul went on to say, there is none righteous, no, not one, none that understands, none that seeks after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. And in God's schoolroom, 99% equals failure. Wow. <clears throat> Pastor, you were going to tell me the good news. <laughs> what is the good news? Because according to what James says, according to, and, and even in the examples that I used in talking about the Ten Commandments, when Jesus saw the man that had kept them all, and he says, oh, well, then go sell what you have and give to the poor that the guy hung his head and went away sorrowful because he didn't feel like he could give him everything. And so it was obvious that this individual who had done all the right boxes still was missing out in a very important relationship with Jesus. And yet Paul, who was under that system, wrote 
in Galatians some very powerful words in the 10th, third chapter of the 10th through the 14th verses where he says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man, gets very, very candid here. No man, and this is King James, you should read it in the Amplified, is justified by the law in the sight of God. For it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive what? The promise of the Spirit through faith. The good news is that he went to Calvary. He died on Calvary. The veil in the temple was rent so that we could receive his spirit through faith. If you say, well, I don't know if I have the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you today, you are a great candidate to receiving the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it is through faith that as you begin to raise your hands and worship that his spirit will pour through you. And that's the greatest promise that we can ever have. That's the good news for today. You say, well, I, I, I don't know. Well, Paul tried to further explain this in Romans. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel or in our language, the good news of Christ. The good news of Christ is it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the, notice this word, the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Remember what Paul said when he said, no man is justified. Everybody say justified. By the law in the sight of God, for the just shall live by faith. And it says the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written again, the just shall live by faith. In 2 Corinthians, he says, Now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. How? In Him. What are you saying? That's what 
this whole Easter story and the drama is all about in that <clears throat> Jesus had no sin. He was tempted. He was led into the wilderness to tempt it. He was challenged in every avenue of his ministry. There were Pharisees and Sadducees and people trying to test him and trying to get at him and get under his skin. And yet he was able to make it. He went through the trial. He went through the prayer. He went through the betrayal. He went through all of these things. And the greatest test was going to be, was he going to be obedient to the cross? And yet that he made. Simon Peter, who denied the Lord, wrote in his book, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. Who did no sin, neither guile found in his mouth. It's a great example. Anybody ever been done wrong? Anybody ever been falsely accused? Anybody ever been maligned? Anybody ever been made fun of? <clears throat> Is guile in your mouth? Huh? They brought me water. I mean, you probably drink a whole gallon of it at times. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Oh, I'm chewing my tongue now. Huh? Because if I didn't, oh, I better drink quick. I better drink. Huh? <laughs> oh, you, wait, wait, wait. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, uh, you, you know, Anybody ever felt like you needed to have a jug of water next to you? Because there might be a little bit of guile. Woo. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But committed himself to him that judges righteously. Wow. Then he says, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. I know we pray, we pray for the sick, we pray for healing, we want healing in the body, but I'm telling you, one of the greatest healings that'll ever take place in my life is whenever there's a righteousness of the Lord begins to flow through me. When I've been up against the wall, I've been done wrong, when I'm under pressure, and I all of a sudden say, Lord, fill me up with your spirit. Let that water flow through me so that I don't have the contamination of this world in me. Oh. I take water from the inside out. But spiritually, 
I can generate some water. <laughs> I take water from the outside in rather, but I need to generate some inside out water. When I'm going through it, when I'm in under the gun, he said, for you were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. John said, whoever commits sin transgresses the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. And you know that he was manifest to take away our sins and in him is no sin. Paul described it as we have a high priest which is touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like we are yet without sin. And so what does that tell us? Knowing that he was tempted without sin, therefore let us come boldly, where? Before, <laughs> unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As I mentioned before, his greatest temptation was to obey and go to Calvary. It's what Paul wrote in Philippians when he talked about him. He said, who being in the form of God, found it not equal, thought it not equal or robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, when you think of that, he, he not only made himself of no reputation, he took upon himself the form of a servant and then was made in the likeness of men and being found and fashioned as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. You read Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, this was prophesied back in the Old Testament and yet the Jewish scholars and theologians didn't understand it. When he said in Isaiah, and you can read the whole chapter, it's a great chapter, he shall grow up before him tender as a plant, a root out of dry ground. He has no form. That means he, has, he is not at all. He wasn't good looking at all. He had no comeliness. In other words, there was nothing appealing about him. When we shall see him, there is no beauty that should desire him. He was despised. He was rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. In fact, we hid our faces from him. You know what that means? And you, you know, you may have come across somebody and for whatever physical deformity they have, that it's hard not to look at it. Huh? You know, even if it's not a permanent thing, you know, they've got a big sore on the side of their face. 
I've had a skin cancer burn off. Oh, I need to cover that up because I know everybody's going to go, what's that on your face? Huh? Anybody ever felt that a little bit? He had no band-aids to put on. He couldn't make himself attractive. He couldn't make himself look appealing. Why did he go through all of that? So that when I am feeling any of those feelings, he understood and understands what I'm feeling. When, you know, you look in the mirror and say, oh, wow, I'm not as good looking as so-and-so. I don't have, people aren't, you know, I'm not an influencer and I don't have a big following and I don't. Guess what? The Lord understands that. He didn't come in. And I know, you know, we get, Hollywood gives us very good looking actors to play Jesus when they make a movie. And you think, wow, man, great looking guy. But that's not what Isaiah said about him. He said he was, he was, they hid their faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. We didn't value him. We didn't put, we didn't give him any, you know, kudos. Man, Jesus, you're awesome. But he said, surely he hath borne our grief and our sorrow. We did it. What did we see him? Stricken, smitten of God, afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. Simon Peter has quoted this. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord hath laid upon him the iniquity of us all. My sins. My failures. My iniquities. My transgressions. He carried to Calvary. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before the shearer. He was dumb, so he opened not his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him, to put him to grief, to make his soul an offering for sin. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What are you saying? I'm saying one of the things that has got to help you, you've got to keep in your mind, you've got to keep in your thoughts when you are buffeted, when you are going through it, when you are finding yourself being pushed and you feel like you're about to fall over, you know, Brother Gators, come up here. I, I, I was going to use a chair, but I'll use, 
I'm human, so you'll understand it. Uh, this kind of looked like a bookend. You, you know what a bookend is? Mm -hmm. You know, a bookend is that thing that just stands there and, and you lay books up against it. Huh? So they don't fall. This has got to be unmovable. Huh? That's the way Jesus was for us. That's the good news. When I am going through it and I'm being pushed and I'm being beaten up that I can't feel like I can stand anymore. I lay upon the fact that one day he died for me and it's not my righteousness. It's not my goodness. It's not who I am, but it's who he is that holds me up. You say, well, I, I don't have, say, just stay there a moment. I don't, you can sit down. I, I'll get you back up in a moment. He, you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't have that. That's why David in Psalms, the 32nd chapter, who didn't know who Jesus was, Paul quoted David in Romans, the fourth chapter, and said, even as David described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputed righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. I am blessed today. I am blessed today. I am blessed today. No matter how much I'm buffeted, no matter how much I'm pushed, I am blessed because my sins have been forgiven. He did this so that he could put his spirit in me. But that's the bookend, if you will. That's the, that's the thing that when I am pressed, I come back to, guess what? Here I am, Lord. I can't hold, I can't make it anymore. But if I will lean on him, he is able to wash away my sins. He's able to wash away all the things that I've gone through. Why? I am forgiven. The charges have been dropped. But even greater than just forgiving me it would be one thing if I borrowed if I I've done wrong I've sinned I owe ten dollars and I said brother Gators could you help me out? And Brother Gator said, well, don't worry, I'll pay it, Pastor. I'll take, I'll pay your bill. That'd be a good man, wouldn't it? Yeah. He's gonna pay my bill. That's what Jesus did, pay my bill. But what if he got into his wallet and said, hey, pastor, you can do this, by the way. It's all right. No. <laughs> he said, I'll take care of that $10, but here's my credit card. If you ever run in to another expense, 
I got his gold American Express. <laughs> oh, I'm not talking about just using it willy-nilly, but I can walk. If I ever feel like I can say, guess what? I'm sorry, devil. You've got a problem with me. Here's my credit card. It's not, I was buried in his... I was buried in his name. I was buried in his name. I got his name on a check. I got his name on a credit card. Oh, hallelujah. What are you saying? Thanks, Brother Gators. He just says, For it pleased the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, and he reconciled all things to himself. By him I say, whether they're in earth or in heaven, that we who were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled into the body of his flesh he not only paid for it he reconciled it into the body of his flesh to present you to present you future future holy and acceptable and unreprovable in his sight ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, the good news. That's my hope. That's my hope. In the midst of a world that is crazy, in the midst of recognizing that I, I can't do it enough, is my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and why? Because it's no longer my righteousness. I've got his credit card. I'm walking around with his credit card. That's why he said, let us come boldly. It doesn't mean that we don't feel bad when I've done wrong, when I know I've displeased him, when I have done so. It doesn't mean that I feel bad. It doesn't mean that I am not ashamed. It doesn't mean that I don't pray. I don't cry. I don't say, oh Lord, I, I do all of that. But I have access by that credit card that I can go in to the throne of grace and obtain what? Mercy. Everybody say it. Mercy and grace to help when in time of need. When you're going through the commandments and you realize, Lord, I need you. I need you. I need you. If you walk in and say, well, I think I'm better. I'm better than him and I'm better than her and at least I've got them beat and I've got that one whipped and I don't, you've missed the point. Because it's not about 99% he doesn't grade on the curve. If you fail, if you miss one moment, that's why I've got to have his credit card. Oh, what are you saying? 
He says, for by one offering, one credit card, one credit card, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Wherefore, the Holy Ghost is a witness That's why I open myself up to the flow of the Holy Ghost. When I've been doing something, I, I feel bad. When I feel like I can't, I don't know which way to go. And you say, well, I just, I just want to crawl in a hole. No, go lean on, on him because the Holy Ghost is a witness. Oh, when I begin to speak forth in a heavenly language, <coughs> he says, this is a witness to us. This is the covenant that I am under the covenant. That means that I can use his credit card. I've got his name. My name is, you know, if I go to the place and I say, here's my card, and they go, Mr. Gators, I say, yep, that's my name. That's what's on the card. Huh? What are you saying? I dropped a credit card out at BP a few months ago and somebody picked it up and they made it to Target here in town and made it to two or three other places and before I was able to call them and say, wait, 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 not me. And I just wondered when they were asked, is this you? How they pronounce my last name. Because <laughs> if they didn't know me, and they looked at that gobbledygook of letters, huh? But oh, because of who he is, I can say in Jesus' <laughs> and I have the buying power of my bookend. I have the buying power of what he did for me on Calvary. The blood that was shed. He made a covenant with me. And he put the law where? In my heart and in my mind. And their sins. And notice the not. Oh, it's in me. I think about it. I think of, oh, it's in my mind. I think about where I've messed up. Where I've done wrong. But it's supposed to drive me into his presence. When I feel that. It's supposed to drive me into his presence and say, I need your strength. I need your strength. I need your strength. He says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. <laughs> now, where there is no more offering for sin. That's where we come into it. Let me tell you, Jesus himself, when he started reading in Isaiah and he started his ministry, and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives and, and all the wonderful things, the opening of the eyes of the blind. You know what the rest of that chapter says? The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath 
take your jacket off. That's why I got you, because I thought I could maybe fit into yours. This isn't my righteousness. This isn't who I am. But it's who he is. Uh, this credit card isn't my card. It's his card. I live my life. I, I, I come into his presence and I, I'm so thankful when I don't feel like I've done good. If I get into his presence, all of a sudden he slips his righteousness on me. That's why we're buried in his name. And in any moment I can say, Jesus, I need your presence. I need you to wash me. I need you to cleanse me. That's the good news, you see, folks. I'm out there, and I'm all alone, but the good news is I can slip into the presence of Almighty God and feel the righteousness of Almighty God. Would you stand? I, 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 I understand. I, I've got several more slides. I don't know when I get to them all. I, you say, I, I, I feel overwhelmed. This is why Paul would say to the church at Rome, being justified it's more than just being forgiven. Forgiven is you paid my debt. But being justified is just like I never had one. My slipping into his righteousness. He said being justified by faith. We have peace with God. And we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. So when I feel overwhelmed, I start rejoicing. Yes. Well, don't you feel bad for what you did? Don't you feel? Yes, but I'm rejoicing not in what I've done. I'm rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. That's why he said, I glory in tribulations. I know that tribulation works patient. I glory in patience. I glory in all these experiences and hope because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which was given to us. That's why Paul could say, 
me to that rock. I go in that glory. Then I begin to worship the Lord. If you need the Holy Ghost, all you have to do is raise your hands and begin to worship the Lord. There is a bookend. There is something that you can lean on in the midst of a storm. And that is not who you are, not what ability you have, but who He is. Would you come? If you want the